from Double Door Studios at Manassas National Battlefield Park. I'm Nikki Bland. And I'm Franny Robin. This is A Different Truth. A Different Truth can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please like and follow us on those platforms. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and a review. That helps us get more views and show up in more searches. You can also check us out at our website, adifferenttruthpodcast.com. We will share resources and information on our website and social media platforms, where you can also send questions, comments, and ideas for future podcasts. We really want this to be an interactive engagement with our listeners, so please let us hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We're back with part two of our conversation with Chief Phelps of the Prince William County Police Department. Let's pick up where we left off as we discuss some reactions the Black community has when engaging with the police. So I have a question. I'm a mom of um, four children, okay. three boys, who are all God over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my boys are six feet mm-hmm. and taller. Yes. Um, they're kind of slender, but mm-hmm. my husband's six four, okay. and he's pretty sizable. Mm-hmm. So um, like Nikki was sharing, when we look at um, law enforcement interactions with the individual, like, individuals like George Floyd that made the news, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, the conversations that I have with my boys with uh, interaction with law enforcement is make it home, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so we teach them uh, how to put their hands up. Uh, we have Ziploc bags in the glove compartment. So when they reach over, you know, so these are some of the things you have to say. You, you grab the Ziploc bag, everything is in it mm-hmm. because there's a fear that's associated with, the mm-hmm. uniform right. within the black community. Mm-hmm. And so as we were um, talking about abuse of power or excessive use of force, um, one of the, the gentlemen who spoke at the Liberia protest mm-hmm. had a similar question, but his brother you know, um, died as a result of interaction with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Different scenario than mm-hmm. George Floyd, um, but it's a conversation that we have with our children. Right. Not just when they're driving, mm-hmm. because chances are, you know, um, their interaction with, with law enforcement mm-hmm. would increase when they're on the road. But also in our school system, mm-hmm. um, resource officers, there's a fear and there's a response that usually um, res- result as a uh, that usually happens as a result of that fear. Mm-hmm. So run running away. Um, not because there's a fear of being uh, put in a police car, but there's a fear of not surviving the the, the encounter. Right. And a lot of times people don't understand. Mm-hmm. So like, you you know, on social media, there is this, there's this typical response, well, he shouldn't have, or if he had done this. Can you share with us what you've seen in Prince William County, but what can you sh- you you share so that people will understand? Um, so, like I, the, what I just said about my boys, mm-hmm. it is like standard. Right. 
in the black household mm-hmm. for boys. Right. I do often sometimes fear when my husband goes out and he takes forever. Even though Prince William County hasn't had a record of that, but recently we've seen something like that in Fairfax County. Mm-hmm. So that is like, oh my gosh, it's getting closer and closer to home. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, Prince William County is listed and come records at the top 2% mm-hmm. of well-run police department, law enforcement departments. Can you share just a little bit your knowledge of those types of conversation that takes place within the black household mm-hmm. and how our officers being, mm, I don't want to say trained, but being um how officers are educated to understand a a flight or fight or fight or flight response. And it's not because of being pulled over. It's for fear of Mm -hmm. their lives. So how officers um, sensitized, sensitized to that. And then also within the school system, because the access, uh, as you talked about the, you know, diversity of the County, Mm -hmm. you have children who are homeless also, and they're in school. And then you have children from wealthy household, Mm -hmm. their interaction with law enforcement is going to vary, even though that they're within the same, same school where it is kind of determined that a certain income bracket is in that school. Right. But again, it's an, a lack of awareness that, you know, goes on in, in, in those environments. Can you just share a little bit sure. about that? So I'll start with, uh, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that conversation occurs because, it, and, I'll, and I'll be, I'm going to be very <laughs> forth on this. I have the same conversation with my kids. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, and again, I don't have that background. I'm not a black male. But for me, it's an education on how you deal with police, period. Mm-hmm. And, and because when we are dealing with issues, traffic stops and stuff like that, we are the ones that are in control of that stop. And people need to understand that when they move a certain way very quickly, it heightens the safety aspect on the police side. So having that conversation of this is need, this is what you need to do when you get stopped um, by a police officer um, you wait, keep your hands in, in, in plain view. You wait for them to give you directions. Say, okay, go get the registration or go ahead and get your driver's license. Um, that's stuff that we, I, I know it's yeah. a little different. Yeah. Trust me. I, I, I understand that. Um, but as, as, a, as a parent myself, having that conversation, I've had that conversation with my kids. Again, yeah. it's different. And I know it's a different conversation, yeah. but it is more about, how do you deal with the the position of the authority of the police officer and making sure that things are not misconstrued to where it goes down a path because the officer is reacting to what they're seeing and perceiving as a potential threat. And, and that, and that, that's the discourse. Part of the discourse I think is because an officer, again, like I told you earlier, we're, we're worried about our safeties as well as safety of everybody, but experience and and case studies that we see across the nation of how officers have died and what they have done we we learn from those and and we 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 have to treat we can't say okay i'm I'm gonna stop a black male i have to handle the traffic stop in this manner i'm gonna stop an asian female and i have to handle the traffic stop in this manner It, it it doesn't go that way it's it's a it's a standard of way of how we try to um treat people and, and and it's i can't differentiate uh just because there's a black male and asian female i don't differentiate how i do my stop because of that mm-hmm. i do need to understand cultural differences and maybe how i talk with them um and understanding that aspect and then recognizing okay there could be a major cultural division uh, issue here when i have a conversation with an asian female um 
there, there may be a cultural difference here when I'm talking to a, a black male on a traffic stop. I need to recognize that. And then we teach the officers on in our cultural diversity um, and having those uh, recognizing that. And, they, okay, if you're doing X, Y, and Z and something it, it, it's not doesn't seem to be working, you need to be flexible and, and try to recognize what the issue is if, if you can. Um but at the end of the day, it's about the officer's safety and, and how they command that scene. So that, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a discourse right there, I think, um, yeah. in anybody. But yeah. I, I understand, especially when we're dealing with the African-American community, because of the distrust that is there for law enforcement, it kind of accentuates that even more so uh, because now, now not only are they fearful uh, or potentially fearful of what's going on, now yeah. the officer is seen – and try and discern what 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 what's going on here. It, it, are they fearful or are they hiding something? And and the, and, and the investigative part of what's going on. We that they, may, they may dive into that a little bit yeah. more. And that kind of again, that's a, that's a cultural thing. Trying to understand, a person may not be doing anything wrong whatsoever, but because of that fear that they may have, uh, it's being perceived differently. Yeah, I could actually even as you're you're sharing that, the image that comes to mind is Philando Castile. That interaction with the law enforcement officer where he literally said i'm reaching for my my information Mm -hmm. and also i have a permit to carry right and then before any of that happened you know the 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 officer unloaded and Mm -hmm. killed him in front of his daughter and his his um his his girlfriend Mm -hmm. so as you know as you're talking about the cultural differences i i want to kind of just tap into it a little bit Mm -hmm. because I'm Caribbean and I'm black, but I, I'm not seen as Caribbean black. I'm just black. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, to have that understanding, uh, within the law enforcement community, obviously, um, you know, not every community have the benefit of sitting down and talking right. to the Absolutely. chief of police. So, um, I want to take advantage of it all. Please. So, uh, <laughs> uh, like what, what, um, activities or uh, actions are being taken by the law enforcement uh, community uh, officers to bridge that gap in in, in terms of understanding, particularly cultural understanding, because I think usually, as I said, I'm Caribbean, but Mm -hmm. but when you see me, all you see is black. So there's this response that Mm -hmm. typically is afforded just because of black. And I know a lot of people who are listening will say, well, why does it have to be race? But historically, that's that's how it you know race plays a, a role in as much as you wouldn't want it to right it, it has so like what what is being done to try to close that gap or okay. bridge that gap so besides the cultural diversity training that, that, that we do within a department we also have partnership with the the schools we when, when our we do talk about the school resource officers mm-hmm. they do teach in the schools a, a block to for everybody what to do if stopped uh, on traffic stops, uh, they, we've been teaching that for a number of years. Uh, we've also partnership uh, had a partnership with uh, Northern Virginia Community College, where uh, with Dr. Sam Hill uh, and his efforts, we've done. Um, and also, I can't remember the. Um, it's one of the black uh, male fraternities. We, we the, it was partnership with them where we uh, we did a couple days. Um, on uh, scenarios and again having that conversation what to do if you're stopped yeah. and, and we run through traffic stops and, and stuff like that so we're we reach out to educate and we're willing to do that at any point um but sometimes it's 
the hardest thing about this job, at least in, in that I am seeing right now, is how do you reach those that don't necessarily want to be reached and, and to have that conversation? Um, because, well, this may be going on in that community, and, and if we try to reach out, sometimes it's not receptive. So how do we reach that? How do we bridge that gap when somebody doesn't want to have the conversation? And uh, that, that's it's very challenging because it – it's it's in my eyes. It's building that connection with some, with on a one on one basis with somebody who maybe have a connection to that community or be part of it to help me or an officer to get there and, and to start build that trust. That's yeah. that's the only way that I know how. Hmm. Um, but it's uh, but we we have those programs in place where we're, where we do reach out and, and have those conversations. It's probably just not as well known. Um, because it is in the schools and, um, and, and let's, let's be honest, some kids don't, don't come home and tell mom and dad everything that happens in school. So, uh, parents may not know that they exist. Um, but we, we have reached out, uh, to do things and, um, and we have done in the past and we'll continue to do COVID's a, obviously a challenge right yeah. now yeah. because, uh, and I, I think that's, I'm not going to point that as a, a finger as far as a or the problem, but it is a problem because we we can't get those face to face connections with individuals, and and that is so important in building relationships. Uh, it's one thing to talk and 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 over virtual or anything else, but we're humans. We 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 thrive on the face to face communication, being in, in, in right in the room with somebody and being able to engage with them. Uh, police officers are no different. It, it, but that and we need to be able to do that and just doing videos and popping them up here that's just it's very impersonal and people want a personal touch they really do so well i i, I was just thinking uh-huh. um the, the how do you reach those who don't want to be reached do you what what are some of the reasons you've experienced as the arm's length or just not wanting to have anything to do with your officers well what have you discovered as um, some of the reasons some of it i think is uh past history um with uh experience with law enforcement and um, I'm, again this isn't the reason but uh, you get individuals who come from different countries where maybe law enforcement is corrupt there um whether it's um from the latin america um uh, latino communities or, or wherever it doesn't it doesn't really matter um they have a perception and an activity where they, okay, I don't want to have any association with the police department because where I came from, they are. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to stay as far away as I can from them. Um, and again, it's, it's an individual's uh, prerogative to do stuff like that. But at, when we have a community uh, or an area like that, that, that makes it troublesome to, because if we don't have that relationship, then how are we going to be able to deal with problems within that community? Because the, the only time that we come in there is when somebody's seriously hurt. And uh, getting that cooperation to be able to solve that problem is, is paramount. So um, having that, it, 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 that's just one way, one reason that I see. Um, it, it could also be personal experience where they had a bad experience with one particular officer. And like I said earlier, we get one chance to get things right. Yeah. And if, if we're not getting it right... Um, it's, it's just like going shopping. You go to a store, go to a restaurant and you get bad service. Yeah. Um, 
we sometimes I, I fall into this trap too. I'm not going back to the restaurant ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got such poor service there. Yeah. It's kind of that concept, um, but it's amplified, I, th- I think, a little bit more because then it's broad stroke to every officer's like that and not just the individual that you had. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So let's get into defund the police. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you tell me, I think it's pretty clear what the name Mm -hmm. sounds like it means you know yeah um but you've mentioned this before and um tell us what law enforcement thinks about when they hear that Mm -hmm. um both reactively and then also with greater understanding of what at least some people mean and and Mm -hmm. i do think there is i've seen straight up abolish the police Mm -hmm. that's a whole different hashtag but um you know, the reaction to that particular, you know, nomenclature is -hmm. is pretty polarizing. So I think when you listen to the the national conversation, depending on what group is saying it, I think Mm -hmm. it has a different connotation. For Um, sure. Because they all have different motivations of what they want it to mean. And, uh, but for for us in Prince William County, uh, the way I am perceiving it is it's really about the human services aspect of of what we're doing within the community and, and where, we can improve um, those services to, to those that need it, um, those in mental health crisis, drug addiction, the homeless, mm-hmm. um, and, and investing in those. That, that's how I am perceiving it. And by far, yes, we need to do more um, on those levels because we do have a, uh, a portion of the community that is, is, is not getting as much as they probably could be mm-hmm. um, in, in the priorities. But the flip side of that is crime and everything else is still prevalent um it it is still there um and 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 occurs and so i i would say that defunding the police isn't the in my eyes is not the right terminology and what i think it means it's really a reallocation Mm -hmm. uh, of the resources it's not taken away from the police it's it's, it's investing more into the human services aspect of things, which we do, we mm-hmm. very much need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, mental health in Princeton County, um, from anecdotally, and I can run the numbers, the amount of uh, individuals that we come in contact with or are asked to respond to has increased significantly over the past years. And I'm not quite some of that has to do with laws that have been placed and, and, and how things have been changed. But I can remember when I was a, a young officer, I didn't respond but to maybe a, a, somebody who was in mental health crisis once every few months. Mm-hmm. Now I've got officers daily dealing with somebody in mental health crisis. And I'm not just saying in one individual mental health. I'm talking multiple um, officers and I had a, a picture here sent to me not too long ago. I had eight officers at the hospital one day. Each one of them had their own individual uh, in mental health crisis. And it's like it, it's exploded mm-hmm. on us uh, as a society. And I'm not sure what the – I think some of the changes in laws and, and, and stuff like that and, and uh, the availability of resources mm-hmm. have contributed to that aspect. But it, it's kind of been pushed down to us to where that's what we spend a lot of our time on now. And it's not the the appropriate thing in some regards. Uh, some getting there and being safe, yes, but 
then it turns into a uh, it's a it's a therapist type mm-hmm. of issue. It's it's not a police issue, but we have to stay involved. Well, exactly. It it ties to the other topic mm-hmm. of how many calls do the police field that aren't police related or criminal mm-hmm. right. calls. Right. But um, I, we have taken a stance as a police department and from the get go to even now. You call us. We're going to come for sure because yeah. that's that's you've got to have that trust in, in, in the yeah. system. Well, then that, again, you don't know what you're dealing with until you get there. Absolutely. So how do you make that distinction until your eyes on? Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. But there are um, at least anecdotally in the news mm-hmm. um, cases where certain police departments, um, you know, the citizenry is sort of outraged because they're cutting some of those programs mm-hmm. and then increasing police funding. I mm-hmm. think Philadelphia was $41 million this year. And it's like we have a police problem in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't live there, but this is what I'm reading. Right. Um, so when they see the opposite happening, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think of that in terms of defund the police. And yes, we need to stop allocating so much more to the police department. Mm-hmm. And like you said, focus on the Mm -hmm. other services where people can get the type of help they need that isn't necessarily, um, you know, resolving a criminal problem. Right. So I'm I'm going to push back just a little bit on that Mm -hmm. because uh, the funding of of a police department obviously should be uh, based in some type of data information to justify a lot of things. So um, and based on crime patterns and uh, so there's a lot of information that needs to go into there. Mm-hmm. So if a police department is demonstrating, um, because again, we're reactive in nature, we're collecting all this data. If they're demonstrating that we need to be here, sure. does it make sense to take that money away? Because mm-hmm. then you're just making, you're exasperating the problem on that department and being able to solve mm-hmm. and, and deal with problems within the community. So it, it's not an easy solution. It really isn't because Absolutely. you're talking about money. And when you talk about money, you're taking it out of people's pockets ultimately. Um, and then that just leads to other issues. Uh, well, uh, like everything we've so, talked about, yeah. it's not as black and white. No, it's not. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. to coin a phrase, as everybody would like it to be, mm-hmm. you know, it's very easy to just sit back, armchair quarterback, and mm-hmm. say, yes, it's this or that. End of story. No. Everything is much more nuanced than we no. think, but I, you know, to your point, I think it depends on the locality. It depends on the crime rates. It mm-hmm. depends on the mental health. All, like all of those, all of that data is taken into consideration. Right. So there may be, I don't know, you know, I'm not there. There may be yeah. cases where it makes sense to reallocate away from police departments. But Absolutely. It's, it could it's be. just not, again, everybody wants to take this very polarizing 100 percent evil 100 percent righteous you know aspect to every right. little thing and yeah. you know if, well, if anything we should have learned by now that it's not yeah. that way there's, We're there's humans, three sides yeah. to every, mm-hmm. there's three sides to every story yeah. so yeah. there's yours mine and then somewhere in the middle is the truth yeah. and, and so that's the three sides there mm-hmm. and that, that can be applied to anything so yeah. it's a you may believe one thing um, you're going to believe something yeah. else as far as this issue. I'm going to believe that. But somewhere in the middle is what is right for the community. Mm-hmm. Now you got to exasperate that by 400,000, 470,000 plus mm-hmm. citizens in Prince William County or residents of Prince William County um, to determine um, well, ultimately what the board needs to determine is what is the right for our, for our community. And that's going to mean probably – Everybody compromising a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, there's, yeah. Nobody's going to get 100% yeah. satisfaction. No, so, not. you know, I think people need to understand that too. And I, that's a little different too there because mm-hmm. everybody in, in today's society, we are very 
I want it now. I want it now. And I want it my way yeah. when that's not necessarily how life works. Um, sometimes, yeah, keep striving for what you want and how you want it, but you may have to settle at least on the short run uh, for compromises in, in order to get things and yeah. maybe take more of a baby step approach to get to where you want instead of going from zero to a hundred and demanding a hundred right now, you may have to stop at 25 for a little bit and then increase yeah. well, a little Perfect bit. is the enemy yeah. of good. Right. 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 Well, yeah. and I just want to build on it a little bit. And then I do have one other question. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes um, for us to arrive at a place where, majority is happy mm-hmm. or content uh compromise is necessary yes. right mm-hmm. so um one of the things that I, I i asked earlier was uh you know defund the police black lives matter just this conversation a lot of the conversations you've had been having with the community a lot of them came out of the black lives matter protest yes um, and Black Lives Matter has different elements to it. Um, but I wanted to ask, you know, the history of protests throughout the United States, mm-hmm. usually at the end of a season of protesting, leads to a study, some type of study okay. uh, as to why, you know, um, what led to the protest, what what can be done or with the demands of the protesters are making, how how is that, mm-hmm. you know, the data, is there data to support a history of what they've been experiencing, right. especially if we lived very polarized lives, you know, you have your gated community here, you have your pockets of this here, you have your uh, homeless community here, you have, you know, your middle income, and we all want to be right. Mm-hmm. But usually, uh, um, according to my, uh, the research that I've done, a lot of times when the studies came out, and I think um, the, the Red Riots, the Chicago, the New York, or the L.A. riots, studies have been done. And out of that, usually it consists of, they're like four common themes. Mm-hmm. Extreme poverty, underfunded mm-hmm. education systems, uh, um flight, white flight, mm-hmm. uh, and poorly developed urban areas, and police over-policing of communities. Mm -hmm. And so since we have a history of those studies and they tend to result kind of, they tend to produce very similar results when when you're highlighting those particular things. Um, Prince William County has experienced its fair share of protests, demanding Mm -hmm. justice and all those things. What is being done? What has been done? What initiatives are in place? And what conversations are you you having? And I know you talked about one of the committees Mm -hmm. that came out of the result of that. But based on the history of um, recommendations that have been done in the past. What is Prince William County Law Enforcement Department doing right now to mitigate that, to not necessarily have to wait for something, uh, riots of the, uh, you know, a protest of these kinds to happen right. before some, we say, oh my gosh, let's, we, we know that has been done already. So what is Prince William Pro, uh, Law Enforcement proactively doing? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a great pro- question. Thank you for these this. We, yeah. We've been doing a lot. I actually sat down the other day and uh, I, I kind of typed up everything that we've done since the murder of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a full page of, of, of things, too, that we've done. Is and that going to be published somewhere? No, I just, it's more it's more <laughs> for me to um, to talk about because some of them are in progress, researching okay. that type of stuff. Okay. And uh, but one of the, the first things um, 
that I that we obviously as a conversation participate in anything and everything that I can to to have that conversation with yeah. somebody. I have yet to be part of a conversation. Um, now I'm going to knock on wood um, <laughs> where somebody has said Prince William County is doing this wrong. We 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 were doing it. it. It's always been more about the broader police reform, social justice reform yeah. conversation, which. I'm happy to participate because yes, we do need to look at how we do things to improve them. Yeah. So, um, so it's never been a finger pointing conversation. It's been more let's talk about this at a, at a general converse, um, general topic, which uh, I'm glad to clap about because that tells me okay, there aren't specific problems. It's more the system. It's not the department. Got it. So um, now. I'm not going to sit here and 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 be that tell that the, we're we're perfect because we're not. I'm sure there are people who out there who are just waiting to knock on the door and and tell and finger point how we're doing something wrong. And I'm glad to to look at anything and, and have that investigated. Um, and because I will, I am confident in how my police officers do things, especially with body camera. It's their actions. Everything is is captured on camera mm-hmm. and. Um, so anyway, to, so to segue into what we've been doing, um, obviously we've reviewed every single one of our policies. Um, I've, I've compared our policies to the eight can't wait, um, campaign that is out there, uh, and banning chokeholds, shooting at moving vehicles. Uh, there's a few other things I, I just, I off the top of my head, but I, I've compared our policies to that. When you look at uh, the police executive research forum, they they published in 2016 a 30 guiding 30 guiding principles of use of force. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, please go to the website. It's it's public. Uh, it's a publication. When you look at their 30 guiding principles, uh, we have something that addresses every single one of those, uh, and, and we're in line with that. When you look at the presidential. Um, Commission, uh, President Obama's commission on uh, 21st century policing. When you look at the six pillars, that's a lens to look at how police work is done. And we constantly evaluate what we're doing in comparison to that. Um, we've done some, uh, and that's just uh, that that aspect. The community outreach is, is so important in having those discussions, whether it's uh, the Facebook Lives that I've been doing, this conversation here, uh, the panel discussions that I've been part of. Uh, they're just they're, they're numerous and, and, and just making sure that people understand um, and, and be able to ask those hard questions because uh, accessibility, I think, is the, the biggest part of this and making sure that uh, I can answer their questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let me let me let me pull it up here because it's uh, I think it is, this is such an important thing um, to, to talk about. Yeah. Um, as you look that up, I, I, I'm thinking because um, one of the things that I do want us to end on is um, partnering with your department and specifically in is my my what I want to share is in response to something you actually asked. And it mm-hmm. really um, I had drifted off a little bit in train okay. of thought as after you said it. But um, I run a maternity home in Haymarket. Right. Um, so we house pregnant women who uh are pregnant and homeless or have a history of homelessness and are homeless with their families. And so we take women in and they could live in the home for up to two years. Mm-hmm. And we, in the process, you know, as 
you know, justice for law enforcement and and poverty and homelessness. All these things are not in, operating in a vacuum. You know, they're they're contributing factors. So we equip them with the tools that will eventually lead to independence and self sufficiency, and have them become com- contributing citizens to the community and you know live independent and take care of their families. Right. And one of the things that um, I knew was an, an immediate need because a lot of the women that we get have a terrible fear of law enforcement. Right. They're just afraid, mm-hmm. um, whether it's that the fact that they were removed from the home at a very young age and as a result have been bouncing from home to home or mm-hmm. they've been couch surfing or they've been living in tent city dwellings or they've just been living in their cars. And so as a result of that, their interaction with law enforcement hasn't been very pleasant. Mm-hmm. So I actually went to the Haymarket Police Department. Mm-hmm. We met that day. Right. And one of the things that I've done with them is their officers come by randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the first time they did it, it wasn't, yeah. it didn't go very well I'm at sure. all. <laughs> and we weren't there. They actually rang the doorbell, and the moms left them standing on the porch. They did not open the door. Right. But we, we realized we needed to modify that a little bit. So we had um, that off. That police department comes in, and they do lessons. They mm-hmm. teach, or they just sit. We gave them a copy of the program so they know when it's lights out, they know when it's curfew. So if if there is, you know, they'll knock on the door and they're like, hey, we're just. And that took a long time to even build a mm-hmm. level of confidence for the for the moms to say, oh, you know, it's the uniform. I recognize it. They, they're still not opening the door, just FYI. They, <laughs> <laughs> but we, it, to include, you know, they, they'll park a car down the street or periodically every quarter they'll have a, an officer or maybe through a month or they do it randomly. Mm-hmm. They'll have an officer walk the property and we would get texts throughout the nights from the mom. They're like, there is someone with a flashlight outside. And, <laughs> and I'm like, it's the police, you mm-hmm. know? So we do that. And one of the things I, I want to touch on right, you know, before we end our conversation is how can we do that okay. with you? Um, mm-hmm. the, the question that you asked was how do you reach those who do not want to be reached? Right. I, that like kind of put me in a virtual chokehold. Mm-hmm. Like what can we do? How can we partner with you right. to reach those people? Like Nikki shared a, a little bit with you, how, how long we've known each other mm-hmm. and we've kind of reached into the community, whether it's through carry to full term, through our relationships, through the church, mm-hmm. how can we, and you could think about that. Cause I know you're going to share, how can we adopt you, mm-hmm. not you per se. But. <laughs> 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 yes. I mean, if you want to be adopted, hey. we're open hey. to that too. <laughs> you, you feed me, I'm willing to be adopted. So. <laughs> but like, um, just think about it. Like, how can we as this podcast, how can we as Carrie the Full Term as a community, mm-hmm. how can I as a black woman, how can my family as a black family, how, are, how can our community mm-hmm. partner with Prince William County Police Department, uh, Unfortunately, there are communities that can't do that because the relationships with law, law enforcement mm-hmm. is so bad. But how can we become a model example of what law enforcement can be with its community, even though you are a support the blue recipient and I'm a Black Lives Matter activist, but we become a model of mm-hmm. what that looks like to work together. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to do that. And okay. I, I think about it and just to share a little bit more. Okay. And then I'm. You found That's what a great you question, for. and uh, yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. So um, I told you before we started the podcast, uh, we've actually partnered with uh, DCJS, which mm-hmm. is the overarching um, uh, agency that oversees police standards. They're working with us in, in conjunction with the University of Virginia 
on uh, courageous conversations. Uh, the first one is actually today um, that where we've um, I, I've kind of reached out to people that I have met through all these protests, as well as some other connections uh, that we have, business communities, some faith uh, organizations, to be part of this uh, these conversations. And this is a this is a year long thing. So mm-hmm. the goal here is to, you know, talk, identify something, work on it, come back see where we're at with that that specific issue and then just keep on going for for a year mm-hmm. we are actually one of six jurisdictions that are doing this um wow. so it, it, i'm actually i'm very proud in the fact that they reached directly out to us to participate in mm-hmm. this um, because it goes back to our ability to connect with the community and all the work that has been done over over the years um so and, and again that was the first ones here we also have uh, another aspect with UVA that we're going to be doing here on um, just community leadership initiatives. Um, our first meeting here is in September to kind of brainstorm some ideas here. Mm-hmm. Um, the duty to intervene, I talked about that earlier. We've added that. Um, the comparison of our policies. Um, I'm doing research on um, – there, there's a lot of talk right now going down for Richmond's uh, special session uh, in the General Assembly mm-hmm. about police, our citizen review boards mm-hmm. um, and what that would look like. Is this PERF? No, the citizen review board? Uh, yeah. No, this is um, this is a, a concept that is being floated in the General Assembly okay. uh, for, for the special session on, that starts on August 18th. Um, where they, they want to talk about having jurisdictions have the ability to have a review board and what that looks like can be different. There's actually three jurisdictions that I know of in the state of Virginia that have a review board. Um, Virginia Beach is one of them. They've had one since, I believe, 1991 oh, wow. uh, for a long time. And uh, if I were history, I don't know the specific reasons of why they started it, but Time frame from when I remember, um, they had a major issue, uh, what they called the Greek riots uh, in 1991, where they had just had a huge um, riot uh, down in Virginia Beach area. So I, I'm, I'm, I think that's how they started mm-hmm. theirs, but it, it, the time frame's about right. But you, uh, we, we have in Prince William County a sit- what I can't think. I of have the a name citizen of advisory board. Okay, yeah. so uh, I'll, I'll explain the difference here in just mm-hmm. a second. But uh, Fairfax is another one that has one, and uh, Albemarle. Albemarle or Charlottesville has, mm-hmm. is the other one that mm-hmm. has a, uh, a review board. Mm-hmm. So the difference between a review board and an advisory board, review board kind of gets more into depth as far as uh, reviewing investigations, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And depending on how it's set up, uh, can provide recommendations. Um, the, I think the conversation in Richmond is a little more um, stronger than that as mm-hmm. far as subpoena power, that type of things. That gets into a trick bag, I think, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of things to work through, mm-hmm. uh, not only confidentiality issues, FOIA issues. It's just it's a larger conversation. Right. So um, but my the advisory board, which we have, uh, which was started uh, about three years ago by Chief Bernard, um, is nothing more. And the name is kind of a misnomer because it's it's organizations that come together. They send a representative um they're typically the same person every single time, but mm-hmm. it's organizations that come and we talk with them about what the police department's doing. We talk about certain policies that we have, make presentations, uh, answer hard questions about what's going on in the community. If there's an issue, um, that the riots was a was a topic of conversation. Right. So it's uh, 
But that's all they are as advisor. They're a sounding board for mm-hmm. the chief of police, um, whether it's me or who, Chief Menard or whoever ends up being chief, that uh, just kind of get the feeling, get a temperature of, mm-hmm. okay, this is what's going on. And the idea is that they take that information and go back to their organizations and say, this is what we discussed with the police department. This is what they're doing X, Y, and Z is as a way of outreach mm-hmm. and getting that understanding. There's about 25 organizations that are part of the advisory board. And um, we, we constantly review who's on that board every year. Um, we've expanded it here uh, over the past couple of years. We realized we needed a, a more of a youth voice. Mm-hmm. So we added uh, uh, an organization to, to handle that. Um, we just this past two months ago, we uh, added OLA, which is the uh, Hispanic organization for Latino. I can't remember the last one, <laughs> um, but we, we, we gave them because we mm-hmm. realized that there, there needed to be a little more of the, the Hispanic voice in there. Mm-hmm. While we had other people, Hispanic organizations, we, we wanted to expand that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so we constantly re- look at that aspect, and it's based on the recommendations of the organizations. It's not by us. Mm-hmm. They, they're bringing out, hey, this is who we think, mm-hmm. and we have that conversation, and, and then I invite them out. So. Right. Um, that's kind of the difference between advisory and, and the review. Okay. Got um, it. So, um, how do you get on the uh, um, the revise advisory board? So, typically, it's you can reach out to me and I and whatever organization that you Got represent, it. we can have that conversation. It, like I said, the name is a misnomer because people hear citizen advisory board, they think, "Oh, I want to join that. I'm Got a citizen." It. It's it's about the organization. So, I, I really need to. Um, kind of, I got to talk with them about how we actually are labeled, how we labeled this board. Um, because it, I, we don't let just specific citizens on it's organizations because organizations. we want to have them take the information and go back to a broader base to have those discussions. And if you just invite citizens, that information stops Got it. outside so of word But there are organizations that represent certain uh, demographics Absolutely. of yes. citizens. Absolutely. So, we've, we've got a very yeah. strong um, voice as part of there, uh, a part of the group. we got some members, uh, leaders of church organizations that are part of it from across the county. Mm-hmm. Uh, PFLAG is part of it, Special Olympics. Um, Ola, as I said, uh, there's a lot of civic uh, organizations that are part of it. So it, it is a cross-section of the, of, of the, the population uh, of Prince William That County. makes sense, though. Is it okay um, after we're done with this podcast that we pull out that and make it a list that could be shared? Yeah, it's actually on the on our website. Oh, it's okay. Every, every organization yeah. is at the bottom of it. When you uh, go on the tab and Citizen Advisory Board, you click on that. At the bottom of it, list every single organization that's part of it. Fantastic. I'm on the site, and okay. you know, I, on that note, I mean, there's so much information here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very intrigued by the Citizen Police Academy, which might not which, be happening during no, COVID. We, or? we are looking to to restart that. The, I can't okay. do ride-alongs right now because. I'm trying to limit the exposure of the officers sure. as much as possible. But, but there's the, a lot of information on the website. And, you mm-hmm. know, I really, rather than regurgitating yeah. it all, it's out there. And we'll make sure we post the link we'll to the website. The yep. And then what about your list? I know you went through some of it. Yep. Um, so the uh, the other thing that we we're working on, and, and this actually started before the uh, uh, George Floyd's murder, but um, I'm a, the police department itself is, um, not reflective of percentage wise of the makeup of the community. All right. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the, that's kind of the goal is 
the your department should uh, should reflect percentage wise what the community mm-hmm. what the breakdown is and, right. and we have we have struggled for years to try to get in that direction. So we hired Perf at the beginning of this year to do a study on our recruitment and hiring practices. Uh, so they. They've been working all year long looking at how we do things and comparing us to other jurisdictions and what the kind of the best standard is. And I, sub- I submitted my six recommendations to her. Good. So, <laughs> so they, um, they're going to be coming back with us here, uh, I think it's later this month or sometime next month, to kind of give us a preliminary awesome. where they're at. But the, that report is due on how we can do better in, in our recruitment of diversity because um, we recognize that it, it's hard. And Flat I'm out, glad it, you brought that up. Yeah, that was it, on my list of questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's very hard, um, in, in speaking with uh, with African American males that are on a department uh, that I've had conversations with. It's hard to get into the the, the black community and mm-hmm. hire officers because of the distrust. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of that is okay when they become an officer, the scrutiny that they get yes. amongst that community amongst the black community. Um, because they became an officer, yeah. and there, there's They're that stigma there. Yeah, um, so that, that, that's a hard thing um, and hard conversations to have. Yeah. And, and how do we get into there? So uh, we're, we we just we try to get in there and just hopefully somebody um, can can help us with with that aspect and um, getting more. Cause <laughs> does this count? God, that, 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 that does count. Great. Um, we are CIT training, so dealing with people with mental health crisis, uh, we, we hold that training and uh, four times a year. We added a fifth class this year, uh, and that's to uh, the CIT's crisis intervention training, so it's a communication piece. That's kind of like an advanced uh, level of training. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, when they hear that, it's like, oh, every officer needs to do that. And that is the gold standard to get everybody through that. But the bottom line is is that every officer is trained in the academy with basic crisis communication training. This CIT class is more in advance. So we, because of that, um, the the way it is modeled is that you have to have at least a year of experience to kind of take what you've experienced to be able to apply the techniques and understand the techniques. Um, because you get a baseline, but when you, if you go straight into just having this class, you have no context and, and that's kind of the, the model and it's worked well for us. Um, we've got a lot of pushback on that because people want more and more and more, which is we're, we're committed to doing Mm -hmm. that. We, we will continue that. This class is such a huge undertaking though, because it's not just us, it's us, Manassas city, Manassas park, the adult detention center, um, sheriff's office. And uh, it's in partnership with uh, community services, a therapist. So it is a huge undertaking just to put this class on. Uh, and we certify about 100 officers a year. We'll get a little bit more this year, um, but we're committed to do that. So uh, over two-thirds of the officers in patrol are certified. So that, that's huge. That's 60-plus yeah, like that's 60, 60 percent of patrol officers, those responding to calls of service, are certified CIT. Okay. All the school resource officers are certified CIT. Every single one of them, they're all certified. So we, we, we focused on that first. Um, now, when you look at the department as a whole, it's about 37%. But that's taking depar- uh, officers who are detectives who don't necessarily respond to those calls. Mm-hmm. It's taking people who are uh, in our support services that are doing administrative functions, mm-hmm. they're not responding to those calls. But, but you, you would want the 
first the responders literally absolutely to be trained be so trained that's first. where the focus yeah. is and that's where that number jumps it's it's over 60 percent, and that's, yeah. that's that's been our focus to get that higher so is that um exceptional compared to like um, national average kind of thing or do we know I think it depends on the size of the department. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really is. I mean, you look at uh, some of the smaller jurisdictions, uh, the sheriff's office and the sheriff's offices has a goal of 100%. Mm-hmm. Sheriff's office is 100 personnel. It's mm-hmm. it's a little easier to train yeah. 100 yeah. versus 700 officers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, is that the size of uh, Prince William's County? Yeah, we're, we're authorized 702. Okay. Yeah, and that's so everybody, not just that's every, That's from the chief yeah. all the way down. Okay. Uh, and then we have another 200 uh, civilian support staff. So we're just under a thousand as a as an organization. And for a four hundred and seventy-ish thousand member county. Yes. Is that average? Uh, that is actually low. low? Yeah. That yeah. is actually sounded low. sounded really small, but yeah. I didn't yes. want to make an assumption. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is low, and it, there is no real national standard as far as officer per civilian. There's some numbers out there and stuff, but. It really comes down ultimately what the community decides, um, and, and what, what the, the needs of the and community what the needs are. are. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, has Prince William County um, Law Enforcement Department have, have you been? Has a department been contacted by departments from out of state or other states because of your ranking? Yes. So the, the so that you could perf, be a model. Yeah, absolutely. We are a model. So when. Uh, Perf uh, actually uh, developed an integrated uh, communication and tactics class uh, several years ago in, in, in light of Ferguson. Um, when, when that occurred, they, they, they identified, okay, we need to come up with some best practices and training, and how do we, how do we change some of this stuff? Perf, we were part of that group that developed the training. Um, we went up to New York. We, we sat in the, in the room with a bunch of, it was a bunch of other organizations, um, police departments, to talk about training. And, and how how do we do things better? And then when it was decided this is the the, the package that they're they want to roll out, we were one of the one of seven organizations nationwide mm. to actually start and, and teach it. Mm. Now, why is that the case? Because it's been our culture the entire time. The the ICAC model, the integrated communications and tactics, that is how we do our job. Period in Prince William County. Okay. So we haven't had to. Um, while we we put the class on, we teach it right from the get go. So it, and it's woven through our training as opposed to I'm going to sit you through a 40 hour class. Yeah, it so is, not really a new thing. Just it's a natural not a new thing. Right. It's been a natural. But that goes to yeah. the leadership of Owens and Chief Dean uh, and how they developed the organization along, and then how Hudson and Bernard continued to to do the right thing with the, with the organization. Mm-hmm. Well, Nikki and I will partner with you so that we could teach that course on a community level Thank to help you, you guys. Gotcha. I appreciate <laughs> the that. The 700, we yes. will... She's got a lot of great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you had one last question you actually asked. How do we partner with Yes. How do we partner? So... Um, things like this is, I think, is the first start. Like, like I said earlier, it's about the relationships that we build within with people and how we get things moving. Um, inviting, so what the community can do is to learn as much as they can. We've got a lot of avenues. We got a Facebook page, uh, Instagram. We've got uh, the website, um, but it's not a lot. That's where we kind of reside a lot of or house a lot of the information. Um, so go there and check that out. But mm-hmm. the biggest thing I think that people can do is just reach out to us and invite us to 
um, whatever's going on. And um, yeah. like the, the panel discussions that we were on, somebody reached out. And it was Bianca that reached out and said, yeah. hey, can you be part of this? Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we will be there, and that's how we can, can get there. Because we don't know what's going on, usually, mm-hmm. unless we have like a neighborhood watch or, or through other connections as far as things going on. But we've got a lot of organizations in this county that are doing some great things um, and it's just kind of reaching out, trying to figure out, okay, how can we help them? Mm-hmm. Um, and unless they reach out to us, we don't know they exist sometimes. So um, we're a little higher profile, but we can't see the forest through the trees sometimes mm-hmm. because there's so much going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. So if people just reach out to us, we've got a community liaison officer. Um, uh, he does a phenomenal job. Uh, and Officer Paul mm-hmm. and um, and reaching out and, and talking with individuals, going making presentations. I'm absolutely expanding that uh, that uh, to more bodies here soon, so that uh, <laughs> you want to help with that too. <laughs> so, just getting us there to to have this conversation, so mm-hmm. that we can find that way of how we can help that organization or that community, uh, and vice versa, and, yeah. and and staying in tune with each other. Um, to, because again, it's about the relationship right. the, the neighborhood watch groups are, are phenomenal, but they're, they're residential based. They're yeah. not functional based sometimes. Mm-hmm. So not everybody's involved in them where they live. The, some people just like, I want to go home. I'm going to stay in my house yeah. and I don't want to, I don't care what's going on outside. So it, 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 that is just one layer of way of connecting. It's the, the, the organization, the faith groups that help, uh, kind of reach out to even more people. And mm-hmm. then of course we have to deal with. How can we reach those that don't want to be reached? Right. That's, yep, that, that's I, you. I really, that, I'm giving that to you totally. solely. <laughs> I, I, I take it. I, I take it. Uh, I, you, you made a comment earlier as we were talking. You said people don't want to talk to you, but it's because of you while pe- why people are talking to law enforcement okay. officers. My husband had a conversation with a law enforcement officer at the, the What Next rally. Mm-hmm. Behind the sign rally. Oh, behind the sign. And it was an African-American officer. And he they had a long conversation. Good. And it, it's kind of like when my husband got home, it's kind of like this officer just exhaled mm-hmm. <laughs> with him because the conversations I guess he tend to have is so superficial that yes. so him and my husband, they're about the same height, same girth, you know, and just to connect. Right. And so, yeah, I do want to participate in having those hard conversations with people who don't want to be reached. But thank you for being available. Thank you. For, I mean, as you can tell, we could talk for Absolutely. Yeah. days. <laughs> like this is like a half yeah. other night. This just became two episodes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is why we will invite you back because now that we're going to come become an extended arm you know we're just attaching yeah, ourselves to the police right. department you just hired us you just didn't realize it <laughs> Not hey, that I, don't, gonna, I don't have to pay you though that's right. exactly. <laughs> uh, we're going to become an extended arm to reach our community to mm-hmm. be engaged in our community to share updates of what's coming out of the police department because it's beneficial to all of us and if we could be a continuous bridge that builds our community. We don't necessarily have to live in Gainesville to bri- to build Manassas, to build Bristol, to build Haymarket, to build Dale City. We could be the the voice that goes in because we don't we don't have to wear the uniform. Right. We just wear our face, our smiles, and we come armed with the information that you would want us to share. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being that open. Thank you for allowing yourselves to be vulnerable. Thank you for sharing about your family with us because at the end of the day. 
we are people with families Mm -hmm. or if we don't have families, we are individuals, like you said, who want to be valued, who want to be heard. But we're all made to be in relationships with each other. So thank you for taking the time to to be with us. I know you have another engagement that you have to run off to. You're so busy. We're going to just make you even more busier. But we appreciate you sharing the information with the community, sharing the information for them to become engaged. And I think you said you you're built to have 702 officers. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, an opening for two new officers? Um, well, that's our authorized strength at the Board of County Supervisors. Okay. Said, but <laughs> I, I, you want to go through the six month academy? I we, we could probably talk as so. a trainer. As, as a trainer, a trainer. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> Now, the Citizens of Police Academy is actually a a great forum for people to learn more specifics of what's going on in the department. And with COVID, we had to shut it down, but we are probably going to open it up in a smaller setting Mm -hmm. um, so that we can continue to outreach with the community. Because, again, COVID has had a detrimental effect to the relationship building. We're we're trying to find ways to expand that even more. So be looking for that information. I'm looking at this little graduating class from March. I recognize two of the people. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) So we can uh, Mm -hmm. get their view of that. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, there's there's a lot of ways um, to engage Mm -hmm. just on your website um, with what you're already doing. But I think really it's like everything that's involved in this conversation, right? Go... We always say go have a conversation with somebody who has a different lived experience than mm-hmm. you yeah. do. Right. And that includes police officers. Yeah. We can't know what it's like right. to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, you certainly can know what it's like to be a citizen because yeah. you are one too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but you carry a perspective that not everybody does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so get out of the Facebook feed for right. the love of God already oh, yes. and go <laughs> talk to a human being, mm-hmm. um, whether it's FaceTime or coffee, right. yes. uh, whatever you feel comfortable with. But mm-hmm. that's how we start to come together as a community. So we love that you've agreed to do this. No and We'll be talking again. Yeah, and one of the things I want to talk about again when you come back is uh, what you have seen. Uh, You've talked about how we've exploded as a diverse community Mm -hmm. and how we have these extreme wealth gaps in our community. But Mm -hmm. I also want to ask, because so many people are now delving into this conversation and they don't have a lot of information like thorough whole like the whole big picture view mm-hmm. of it so they're just grabbing little parts of it yes but what how what the county is doing to combat and is handling human trafficking okay so we'd mm-hmm. love to talk to you about that because yes. we'd love to also lend our voice to i'm just signing the key i know we're just there's like 18 more topics so <laughs> we're, we virtually signed on all the dotted lines <laughs> thank you so much for joining us no, it's thank been you a pleasure for having to me thank you. thank you yay We are so grateful for the time that Chief Phelps gave us to give a little insight into our local police department and everything they're doing to engage with the community. If you would like to speak with Chief Phelps or anyone in the police department, please reach out. They want to hear from you on how we can continue to move forward and be better together. This podcast was recorded at Double Door Studios in Gainesville, Virginia. Hosted by Franny Robin and Nikki Bland. Produced and engineered by Kenny Bland. Original music by Ryan Robin. Original artwork by Ellie Bland.